favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fertikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have award-winning author Lenora Wirth. With 80-plus books and novellas published and millions in print, she enjoys adventures with her retired husband, Don. Lenora loves reading, baking, and shopping, especially for shoes. Loved that. You know, I've been trying to pull a different things than just your standard bio from your website. So um, when I saw that, I, I just had to uh, repeat that. So that is, it, it gives us a an bad insight. habit. Well, it gives us an insight to who Lenora Worth really is. So how are you today, dear? I'm good. I'm a little croaky with the, the pollen, but other than that, I'm pretty good. Busy. Well, it, busy, aren't we all? You know, um, I think we're finally coming back to life as we as we all want it to be again. And that is refreshing. You know, people are going to conferences again and going out and enjoying each other's company. So it's been a long time coming, and I think we are all anxious for it. Wouldn't you agree? We certainly are. Yes, we certainly are. Well, today we're going to talk about secrets in an Amish garden. But before we do that, I'd love to ask our authors a little bit about their writing career. It really helps our listeners connect with um, the person to the story that they're reading. So I have a couple questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question number one. Do you try more to be original or to deliver to readers what they want? I think I do both. I would like to believe that I'm very original, but um, I know what my readers like. So I mix what I consider my voice with what they consider to be the story they expect and want. I like my voice to come through so they know when they're reading the book, this is a Lenora Worth story. So I think I do a little of both. I try to mix it up, but also try to make sure that they will have a satisfying read. You know, lots of times it's hard to understand what our readers really want because there's such a diverse group who read our books. So how will you true. get it right every time? You know, it's, exactly. it's almost impossible. And, and they will it. let us know if we don't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will. I, I know one of my very first books, I happened to use the H word in an Amish fiction, and it was just the way to describe his anger. He was an English man, but oh my goodness, Lenora, did I hear about that? <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> imagine. Yeah, I heard about that. So I will never use the H word ever again. <laughs> So that is lesson funny. learned. Lesson learned, exactly, exactly. But but you know, then there were thousands and thousands of readers who read it and never said a word. So that's right. You just never you just never know. So we have a lot of listeners who are inspiring authors. One of the questions I have for you is if someone, do you think someone could be a writer if they don't feel emotions strongly? That is an interesting question. Um, personally, I think um, there was a quote, and I think it was um, maybe Robert Frost, I can't remember, um, no tears for the, re the writer, no tears for the reader. I feel that way. If it makes me feel emotional when I'm writing it, I would hope it would do the same for my reader. 
I've been told I wrote really, um, I write really emotional books. So I think to write a novel, which includes all the ups and downs of life, and especially a faithful novel that includes the testing of your faith and the constant weariness you feel sometimes when you don't know which way you're going, you almost have to have emotions because you have to feel what that character is feeling and you walk that journey with them and you're going to apply things that have happened in your own life and tested your faith or won your faith back to your story. You put a little bit of yourself in each story. And so I know I'm a very emotional writer, so I would like to believe that most authors would be that way. I, I think you're right. You know, I feel like I'm an emotional writer. If the story I'm writing makes me cry, I know it's going to make somebody else cry. And if I That's thought, right. you know, when, when I when I asked you that question, when I was typing up the outline the other day, I thought I was thinking to myself that some of the best books I can remember reading either made me laugh, deep belly laugh, or made me sob uncontrollably. Yes. So those or are the both. books. <laughs> yeah, or both, exactly. Yes. Those are the books I remember. You know, I remember years and years ago reading Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. Uh, and yes. I cried and I was, it was a hard book to read because it was so mm -hmm. emotional. And I remember going to bed reading it and I stayed up to like one or two o'clock in the morning reading it. And when I woke up the next morning, I looked like somebody had beat me up because my <laughs> eyes were just so so red, you know, but but I remember that story because she made me cry, you know. That's so right. I, yeah, I do. And you know, I didn't I know her her movie just came out and I did I didn't go see the movie because I didn't want to ruin the memory of the book. <laughs> so yeah. So I have to agree with you that I think writers have to feel emotion in order to write it. Yes. Yes. So tell me, I, we both have a lot of, we just talked about, you know, authors and author friends and people who inspire us. What other authors are your friends and how do they help you become a better writer? Well, I have so many people. One, one of the blessings of this job is how many people I've met and how many people have helped me with, with my writing journey. Uh, Marta Perry comes to mind when I first decided to write Amish. She was the first person I went to and I said, Marty, do you think I can do this? And she said, yes, I think you can. And she told me just to be true to the Amish community and to write from my heart. And it's kind of what I did. And so she is a, a wonderful mentor, and a great writer, one of the best as far as Amish writing. And then Lynn Cody has helped me a lot in my career. Debbie, that we were talking about early, Debbie, she's helped me too. You know, people say I mentor them, but I always learn something when I talk to another writer, whether it's a new writer or an old friend. And I have so many friends within the writing community. The Love Inspired Writers are very generous with their time. And we were talking earlier about the Faith, Hope, and Love Christian Writers um, um, organization that is going out on its own and growing. Everybody on there is so supportive. It's a place you can go as a writer when you're not sure. And that's what we writer friends do for each other. When we're not sure about a plot or something in our life or how to blend the two, how to get the book done, we just go there for confirmation and support. And 
I could name probably 30 writers that have helped me. Terry Reed is a sweet friend and um, oh, so many, Dana Mintek and uh, Lynetta Eason, you know, from Colleen Coble on down in ACFW, just wonderful people who have helped me. And um, I'd like to believe I've helped some of them. So it's just a wonderful world to have so many friends. And, you know, one of the things that I found so inspiring when I first started writing full-time about five years ago was the help that other authors give aspiring authors. You know, if you just, if they, if I listened to every word that they said, and I took to heart everything they said. I remember one time being so upset about one of those first bad reviews and Sarah Price said something that was just wonderful. She said, Tracy, if you worry about those reviews, you're never going to grow. You just have to, you know, if you, if you happen to catch it and you happen to read it, just let it go because there's going to be more. I can guarantee you there's going to be more. So you can't ponder on that very first bad review. Just chalk it up. If you can learn by it or grow by it, apply it. But if not, just forget it and move on. And she really helped me. And she probably doesn't even realize how she helped me, but she really, she really did. And you know, it, it is. And, you know, That's now that advice. Yes, it is. It is. And we all have them. You know, I'm uh, everybody's yeah. going to have a bad review. And like we said before, you can't make everybody happy. There's just no, there's you just can't. No and what I've learned is you have to have very thick skin and know in your heart that you have tried to write the best story you can write with each book. And usually the ones who give you the bad reviews, they don't stop to think about everything that goes into writing a book and we don't have the time to educate them on that and I think some people they just like to knock other people down and we we can't deal with that we don't have time for that we want to write our stories and we know there's an audience and even if it's an audience of one who gets that story and everybody else puts it down then we've done our job So tell me, do you want each one of your books to stand on its own, or do you try to build a body of work with connections between each book? I don't know if maybe you write a lot of stories that happen in the same town or the same uh, world, or tell us how you approach each new book. I do write a lot of series, but um, I like a little of of both. You know, I like to um, write a standalone, and then I like to when the first book comes to me, if it seems like, oh, this is going to be a bigger, more expanded story, then I go with that. But if I have a book that just, it's just contained within itself and it, there's no room to expand on that, I work with that too. Um, my Amish books so far have all been set in a, a fictional uh, community of Compton's Creek, Pennsylvania, in, near Lancaster County. So I tend to go back to that community because I created it. I set it up. I know the characters very well. And they come in and out of each other's books. But each book in that series stands alone. But you just, if you've read the whole series, you you recognize some of the characters that were in the other books. So to me, it's fun to build the village and to be able to go back to that village. I've, I've had lots of series books within the Love Inspired and Love Inspired Suspense stories I write. And now that I'm writing um, Amish for Kensington, I have three books that 
are set in the same near Lake Erie, the same area, and three sisters. So it's been fun. In fact, I was just doing that earlier, um, editing the second book, and I'm writing a chapter for the third book. So it was revisiting those sisters again. And I think readers love that. They love a community that they can go back to and and expect more of. So I try to do a little of both. Well, I think our readers like like they're visiting the same place over and over again. It's exactly. like a mini, it's like a mini vacation for them. You know, You're they right. they recognize the same road names and the same yes. family names. Um, so I think that they enjoy it. In fact, that's I know that some of my readers have have said to me, I love that all your stories take place in Willow Springs. And I think we talked about this exactly. before, but I write in northwestern Pennsylvania as well, mm-hmm. just like you do up mm-hmm. near Lake Erie. So um and, and I write in that area because I grew up in Amish country up there. So, you know, I, I I can picture everything. I can picture the seasons and I know what's going on every step of every month out of every year. So it works out. Yes. And, you know, even if you create a, a, a fictional town in that area, you want the, you want your reader to feel that, yes, this is, this is that area. And then, you want them to, I've had some readers say, well, how can I get there? And I'm like, well, it's <laughs> in my imagination. So <laughs> that's going to be a little hard, but I can give them Well, I researched this and I saw this area and this, and you, you, that's, that's as close as you can get, but I want it to feel like the real thing. And uh, I hope, you know, I do that with every book. I can't always travel to the areas that I write about, but I try to make the reader feel as if she, he, I do have some he's who read my mm-hmm. book, if they are there in that, in that place with the, with the uh, character. Yeah, I do too. So that is wonderful. So tell me, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Oh, I would say, girl, you can do this. Because <laughs> from, a, from an early age, this is what I wanted, but I never really thought it would happen. It was my dream, and I thought, I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have the ability to do it, but God knows. He He put me in a place um, where I could meet with other writers, and I stumbled upon a, a book signing one day in a mall, and I said, I'd like to write a book, and they said, well, come join us. It was an RWA chapter at the time, and um, I did, and I had mentors there that were wonderful, and I had lots of rejections, made lots of mistakes, but I didn't give up. So I think I tell my younger self, you can do this, don't give up. And I, that's important to me even now to tell myself that. And our inspiring authors or inspiring writers need to know that too, that it, you know, it just persistence, patience and persistence. Yes. So, yeah. and, and if you want to write, you will write. Um, I, when I'm talking to someone who's trying to write, I tell them you have to make this as important as any other task in your life. You have, might have to give up a few things to take a few, an hour a day to write, but you can do it. I wrote on weekends. I wrote at four o'clock in the morning when I was working full time. I wrote whenever I could. And now I write whenever I can. So it it's just becomes a discipline that if you really want to write, you will do that. 
Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your writing career. And that takes us into talking about secrets in an Amish garden. And before I open the floor to you to really describe your story, I'm going to go ahead and read your back matter just so that we can set the scene. Okay. Okay. All right. This is Lenora Worth's Secrets in an Amish Garden. Can love bloom twice in a lifetime? In this novel by New York Times bestselling author Lenona Worth. Working together in her Amish garden will grow more than just flowers. After losing her first love, Amish garden nursery owner Rebecca Eckert thought she'd shuttered her heart forever. But when English stranger Jeb Martin asked for work, there's an instantaneous connection, almost like Rebecca knows him. But Jeb has a past he's been hiding. And when her brother helps play matchmaker, will the truth bring them together or break them apart? What an intriguing intro. So let's go ahead and talk about secrets in an Amish garden. To begin with, if you could describe your main character, Rebecca, in three words, what would those three words be? She's kind, loving, and lonely. Ooh, that's quite a combination and a combination for love, if you ask me. (laughs) Yes, it is. So tell us where this particular story was set, what area of the country, and did you have to do any research before you started this book? Um, this is said in Campton Creek, as I mentioned before, that's my, my Amish community, and I'm always drawn back to it, and it's Compton Creek, Pennsylvania, um, similar to Lancaster County. I did a lot of research because, well, I had already researched when, it, when my first Amish book came out was when I did the heavy research, and um, I had people I knew who lived near there, and um, that helped a lot. So I didn't have to research as much with this book. What I did have to research was uh, how to grow lilies, uh, like day lilies and exotic lilies, and really how to grow them in um, that type of climate. So when I found out that lilies were like a thing in Pennsylvania, I thought, okay, I'm on to something. I really enjoyed researching the different lilies and they just the names of the flowers played a large part in the plot and gave us some, I hope, fun moments and good moments. So it was, that was where I did most of my research. Typically, when we write in the same world, like, you know, I write in northwestern Pennsylvania and you write mm-hmm. in, in two areas of Pennsylvania, you know mm-hmm. a lot of things about the surroundings. So you can you can describe those. But every book And I think every book that you write too, there's one element, whether it be, you know, a harness shop or a bakery or, or um, in my latest book, we had to talk about preaching. So you Mm -hmm. do have to do a lot of research to make your book authentic. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I do. And I've had, I've had a couple of reviews where people say, well, this was not really, this wouldn't happen in Amish country. And it's mostly suspense. You know, suspense is hard to write in Amish country because the Amish are not a violent people and they don't want to deal with suspense. But um, <laughs> so we have to use a little poetic license with the suspense, but keep it feasible, of course. But as far as the language, the clothing, the buggies, I try my best to stick to whatever I've used in the book before and to make sure that it's consistent. And add, you know, drop in new things that I've learned here and there, too. So it's always a learning experience. That's what I love about research. You learn so much that you don't even use in the book, but you know it. And it it makes you um, enjoy digging into 
your work even more. So we want it to be authentic. So we do, we do. So tell us when you when you handed this manuscript into your publisher or your editor, was there anything they made you edit out? I don't remember anything glaring, which is usually the case with me. I usually get one thing in there that my editor say, Lenore, that won't work, or Lenore, we're going to take this out. But there was a funny scene in this book about um, a, a billy goat gets in her lilies, and lilies are can make billy goats really sick, make goats sick. And so it was the name of the flower, and I wasn't sure kind of made that a joke between them. I was afraid that they might edit that out, but it turned out that they didn't. And it's just kind of a cute moment where they start laughing and realize they're falling in love. So that was the only thing I thought might be edited out. It wasn't that it was risque. It was just kind of an innuendo about the name of the flower, but I won't tell the readers what that is. (laughs) Okay, we'll have to read to find out. We will. So what do you hope your readers take away from this particular story? I think the theme of this was trying to do the right thing. And I think that sometimes we do the wrong thing for all the right reasons. And that's what my hero was trying to do. He was keeping this big secret for all the right reasons, but he knew in his heart it was wrong to keep it from the woman he was falling in love with. And I think we've all been there sometimes. Exactly. We certainly have. We, we can reason with it in our own head. But when it actually happens, you think, oh, my yes. goodness, I shouldn't have probably said that or done that. Yes. So this yes. takes us to the spot where our listeners really enjoy the author reading us, you know, either your first page or a pivotal scene from your story. Are you willing to do that? I am. I will read what is in the front cover copy because it's probably one of the my favorite scenes in the book. So are you ready for me? I am. Go ahead. This community could be your home. I'm going to stay, Jeb said, meaning it. I'm Amish. I've been an Amish man lost in the world. You're not lost anymore, Rebecca replied, her eyes telling him the secrets she couldn't voice. No, I'm not alone, but I still have many roads to walk before I can be completely at peace. Well, you did talk to the bishop. That's a start. It is. I have to let him know if I'm committed. Now, after your words to me, I am committed more than ever. I'm glad she said her hands clutched over her apron. I like having you around. He smiled. I like being around with you. But Becca, we have to accept that before I can be true, I need to find God again. And then I'll work my way toward the other part of why I'm staying. And what would that be? She asked, her breath held on the air. You, Becca, he whispered, you make me feel this peace inside my soul. I'm very excited about reading this particular story. One, I love gardening. I love flowers and um, I love a good love story. So I can't wait to pick it up. It was a fun story to write and it's an April story and that's my birthday month. So it it, uh, felt all good all the way around. (laughs) Oh, I bet it did. So tell us, Lenora, what's up next for Lenora Worth? Well, um, I'm excited about the three books I'm writing for Kensington. I'm editing the second one now. The first one was The Memory Quilt. It was out in uh, December. And this second one is her sister, Eliza, and uh, a man who left her a long time ago and returns to her life. And they clash and it's um, then they make up. So I'm editing that one. And then I'm starting the first chapter of the next one to put in the back of that book as a teaser. So I've been really involved in that all weekend. And then um, I'm also 
beginning a new Amish book for Love Inspired, which is set in Pinecraft, um, Florida. So I'm really excited about that one. And what else? Uh, I'm, you know, that's it. I'm just all into that right now and trying to get all that. And of course, all that's due like this week. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, nothing but like I putting yourself to, under pressure. Oh, I know. And I'm, I've got a little, um, hopefully, a novella, possible novella collection that I'll be involved in if, if it, um, picks up a publisher and just trying to honor my contracts and um, enjoy what I'm doing. So I'm always busy and that's fun. I'm going to a retreat, a uh, well, conference next week at um, in Alabama. That's the Blue Lake Writers Conference, Christian Writers Conference, really wonderful smaller conference. And I'll be speaking there and looking forward to that. So I've got a busy summer and um, I have to keep writing. So that's there what you I'm go. doing. Well, that's that's exactly what you want to be doing. So that is yes. wonderful. That yes. is. So before I go to my little bit of fun uh, with a speed round that I like to do, is there anything mm -hmm. you'd like to say to your readers? Uh, yes, I just want to thank my readers for being so kind to me and so loyal and always supporting me on social media and buying my books and encouraging me, praying for me. It means a lot to have people that enjoy what I write. That means the world to me. It, it makes the world go round in my world. So it yes. sounds like yours too. So, okay, my fun little speed round. I'm going to ask you three questions. Just rattle off the first thing that comes to your head. And this just gives our listeners a little more insight into what makes Lenora tick. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Huh. <laughs> uh, well, probably climb a mountain. I don't know if I could jump from a plane. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I could climb a mountain <laughs> now <laughs> or jump from a plane. But yes, I agree. I agree. All right. Here's a crazy question for you. Have you ever slapped someone in the face? I have, and I'm ashamed that I did it. <laughs> Well, I, I thing to do. <laughs> well, we all have those moments. We all have those moments. Okay, yes. my last one. Would you rather eat a stale Sour Patch Kid or a fresh circus peanut? I love definitely the peanuts. I haven't eaten that kind of candy in so long. I had to figure out what you were talking, You're talking about. about. <laughs> I used to love those peanuts when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, um, I never really thought too much of them, and here just just a maybe a couple years ago, I found out they were my mother's favorite piece of candy, circus peanuts. I never even heard of them. She said, don't you remember? I always had a dish of them around the house. I said, I don't remember. She said, that's because I ate them before you kids got to them. So. They're hard to find. Now, now I want one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I put that, I put that hunger in you there. But Well, thank you for having a little bit of fun with us. And thank you for spending time with us this week on the Puggy Buggy Talk podcast. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects. And we will get you back on the Buggy Talk to talk about your upcoming releases. And that wraps up this episode. And I encourage all of my listeners to visit my website at tracyfredikowski.com to see a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors podcasts and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. 
And to all you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of Secrets in an Amish Garden, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracyfredikowski.com. I know that's really hard to spell, so I've made it easy for you. You can also go to buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape. To end this episode, if you want more information on my latest release, which is Rebecca's Amish Heart Restored, or any other stories I weave around my fictitious town of Willow Springs, I invite you to visit tracysamishbooks.com. That's Tracy with a Y at tracysamishbooks.com.